welcome everybody to week two of Breaking the Law on this Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, a series about sin, sinners, and sinning. You tell me that in some kind of really dark way, that's not a, something that maybe takes you back to your childhood and something your mama told you. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not why we're doing it. But anyway, we are so glad all of you have joined us. And I want to start with something that I know about you, and I don't even know all of you personally. And the reason I know you, and this is true about you, is because I know this is true about me. So I know you, I know me, and it's not because I'm really smart, it's just because I, I see what I see. And when it comes to sin, since that's what we're talking about, you and I tend to minimize our sin. We just do. We do. Often without realizing it, and some personalities, perhaps more than others, we minimize our sin. We dismiss it altogether, or we excuse it. Right? No big deal. Or we normalize it, right? Oh, everybody, 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 everybody does this. Or perhaps we just rationalize it altogether. If you knew my situation, if you really knew what I was going through, and if you understood my life and, and what I was facing, then you would understand why. I think it's funny, uh, and actually it's convicting, that we never minimize other people's sins, right? We tend to maximize the sins of others while we minimize our own Sins, because after all, right? It was just a, a, a white lie, it, it, it really. And it, you know, everybody makes mistakes, right? And nobody's perfect. Come on, am I lighten up? We tend to minimize our sin. This is a, this is significant because what this does when we do this, you and I, often without realizing it, it keeps us from understanding what a really big deal sin is. And so this brings us to where we left off last week. If you missed last week, you want to get caught up on last week. But last week, we ended our time together trying to figure out and decide. Okay, so it brings us to this question of why is sin such a big deal? Because it obviously is. I mean, Jesus didn't give his life on the cross for nothing. I mean, that's a pretty significant major event in history. And so obviously, sin to some degree, you look at the cross of Christ and you realize that it's got to be a big deal at some level. And it is. Bigger than you and I could possibly imagine. And what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is why sin is such a big deal. But I need to let you know this up front. Um, sin is a big deal, but, but not because of God. God's fine. God's fine. We talked about that last week. That because of what Jesus has done for us on our behalf, he completely satisfied all the requirements and everything that God was looking for. Jesus gave a perfect sacrifice in that he gave himself. Jesus lived a sinless life, a perfect life, and then offered his life for us on the cross. God's fine. I cannot emphasize this enough. Sin is not about trying to keep God happy. That's not why sin is such a big deal. God is not temperamental. I mean, think about it. People sin all the time. I mean, there's eight billion of us on this planet. Somebody's doing something wrong at all times. And if God was temperamental and God's well-being was dependent upon the sin factor of people, he'd be in a constant, perpetual, infinitely unending bad mood. Right? Come on, have you ever thought about it like that? I mean, think, just, God would constantly be upset 
at somebody over something if God's well-being was tied to this whole thing of sin. But again, God is fine. Now, does God have wrath? Yes, God has wrath, but not like you and I have wrath. When you understand the anger of God, don't think about it like your anger. Because God's anger is not so much that he gets angry at people. It is that he gets angry and has wrath that people do what they do. There's a difference. God does hate sin. Make no mistake. And in the next few minutes, we'll discover together why God hates sin. And why sin is such a big deal. We're going to answer this question. Again, it's not because of God. God is fine. It's because of something that has something to do with me and you. But in order to answer the question, I need to take you on a journey. And it's going to seem like there's a lot of details to this journey, but really, even though we're going to talk about a lot of different things, it's going to come to a single central focal point, and towards the end, it'll all, I believe, beautifully come together and you and I will be able to answer so clearly why sin is such a big deal. But in order to do that, again, I'm going to take you on a journey. I want to begin with an overview of kind of like the flow of um, history as it, regard, as, as it relates to sin, especially in the Bible, as we contrast the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we look at the progression and the journey of how sin shifted and how God's focus on sin shifted and how things changed ultimately because of Jesus, from the Old Testament, which is the biggest part of the Bible, if you look at that, that part that's at the beginning, and then the New Testament, which deals with the ministry and life of Jesus and the church, and we're included in that New Testament period as well. I'm going to put something on the screen. This is going to seem like a lot, and it is, but we'll go through it fast. It'll make sense, um, hopefully. Um, sin in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Way back in the Old Testament, you will hear this phrase a lot, the old covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham, and it is referred to as the old covenant. It's called old because there's a new one, and we'll get to that in a minute. It's called old because it's now obsolete, and we have a new one, and um, that'll become clearer in a moment. But in the old covenant that God made with Abraham, the central focus was the law of Moses, the law of Moses, which is the Ten Commandments. We talked about this last week. The Ten Commandments plus then the 613 total commands. I mean, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of things, right? The law of Moses. And that's what the Old Covenant was about. And it was really focused on a lot of rules. Thou shalt do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this on that day, do this on that day. And it was just a lot of, why all the rules? Because God, we talked about this last week, God was trying to help uh, the people of Israel that was a slave culture establish their own society, their own civil society. And at the same time, give them a framework by which to not only be able to do life together, but understand what it looked like to honor him. So as a result, in the old covenant, the focus was about holiness, the holiness of God and the lack of holiness of people. People like me and you. Even though it was focused on the people of Israel, we do the same kind of things they did. And so the whole point was like God is holy and you and I are not. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Hold that. Ultimately, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it was all about how our sin relates to God. And we don't measure up. We miss the mark. Q... God sending his son Jesus as a baby in a manger, Bethlehem. Here we go, the first Christmas. Jesus is now here on earth 
flesh and blood and bone, God in reality. Cue the New Testament and the new covenant that Jesus came to bring. The new covenant. In fact, Jesus said, I'm bringing something entirely new. I'm doing something entirely new. The writer of Hebrews later on in the New Testament says that the old covenant is now obsolete. It is now gone. It is now fulfilled. And Jesus said, I came to fulfill it. And he did. He kept the law perfectly. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. A lot of summarizings here. Uh, We did a series on this uh, a few years ago called the trilogy. And it kind of summarizes this whole thing in like three weeks. So I'm giving you like three weeks, you know, like three, four minutes. So Yeah, I know it's a lot, but it'll make sense in in a minute. The new covenant was not about the law of Moses. Okay, thou shalt, thou shalt not, do this, don't do this. No, it was more about Jesus' approach of grace and truth. Grace and truth, truth and grace, grace and truth, truth and grace. That was the way of Jesus. And where the old covenant was all about the rules, do this, don't do this, do this, don't this, when Jesus came, he got to the heart behind the rules. It's huge. He got to the heart behind, the thing behind the thing that you should do and shouldn't do. Why? Why? Why should you not kill? Why should you not steal? Why should you not be unkind to your neighbor? Why? 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 He got to the heart behind it, and it wasn't really about holiness as much as it was about love. In the New Covenant, Jesus highlighted the love that God has for us. John 3, 16, we've, we've heard it. God so loved the world. And then as we will see in a minute, he turns around and says, now I want you to do for others what I have done for you. And here's why I leave this last one blank, because here's it, here it is, okay? The difference and the progression of the flow of sin from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and brings us up to where we are today. So it's not really sin. This is no longer about God. God's fine. Jesus took care of all that. It's now about people. Me and you. You and me. And the reason it's about people is that God makes it about people. And we see this so clearly through Jesus. Let me just give you some highlights in Jesus' new command. His new command that he kind of summarized everything he taught at the end of his ministry And if you've been around the summit, you've heard us talk about this. If you're new to the summit, this may be the first time you hear it. But if you stick around here longer, you'll hear this over and over and over again because it is at the epicenter of who we are and what we do because it is the new covenant, that the new command in the new covenant that Jesus gave us. Not another command, a new command. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Here it is. Love each other. This is about people now. We'll come back to sin in a minute. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. That's significant. Jesus said, I want you to love each other, and you don't get to decide what love is. I don't get to decide what love is. We don't get to make up our own rules for what love is. Do you want to know what love is? Do you want me to show you? Song. Anyway, if you want to know what love is, Jesus said, then love each other the way I have loved you. That's how you define love. You define love. When you look at how I've loved you, then you love each other. That's how you do it. This summarizes everything Jesus taught. Everything that Jesus asked of us is right there. And so essentially, when you come to sin, sin is when we choose not to love each other, ultimately, as we have been loved. We'll see that in a minute. Here's another example. I'm telling you, now it's about people. It's about me and you and you and me. 
Jesus was teaching one day, I'll give you another example. Jesus was teaching one day and he was talking about when people come to church, when they go to the temple and back in the first century days in the Jewish world, when they would come to the temple and they would offer a sacrifice or bring a gift to God, which was in the sacrificial system. This was before Jesus ended all that with his one final sacrifice that we talked about last week when Jesus offered himself. But Jesus said, when you come to church and you realize and it dawns on you, wait a second, I, there's something between me and someone else. There's an issue between me and her, between me and him, between me and them. Uh, we're not getting along. Um, there's sin in my life as regards to them. And he said, if you're at church and you realize that, he said, this is, how big, this is what a big deal it is. This, Jesus made this about people. And God's fine. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Leave church. <laughs> First go and be reconciled to them and then come back and finish your business. Then come back and offer the gift. Then come back and offer the sacrifice. Then come back and worship God. What if we actually did what Jesus suggested and said? I mean, I would say that we should probably just stop right now and some of y'all need to leave. We'll wait. We, we've done things like that before. We won't do that today. You're going to mess up all your Mother's Day plans and the lunch thing. And it's like, it's only off schedule. Now the Methodists are going to get in front of us. And, okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. I get it. Just, 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 and I'm not going to mess with your schedule. Okay? But see, it's about people now, isn't it? See, Jesus said, this is a, you come to worship God. You think worshiping God, get this. Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about this. You think worshiping God is just about you and God. Not anymore. He said, you can't. You can't worship me if you're not willing to deal because this is no longer about me and you. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm concerned about you guys. That's, what, that's the focus of sin now. That's why the writer, John, at the end of the New Testament, says, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, you and me, me and you, it's, it's about people now, you cannot love God whom you have not seen. It doesn't make sense. You say, oh, oh, I love God. Me and God are good, but I can't stand her guts. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. Me and God are good, but I wouldn't spit in his mouth if his gut was on fire. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, we don't get along. We don't talk. We are so done. We are so over. We just avoid each other. But, oh, yeah, I love the Lord so much. Jesus said it doesn't work like that. Not anymore. And, in fact, maybe it never did. But now Jesus is drawing attention to the fact that this is about people. And then if we had time, we could go into all of the one another statements in the New Testament. All the one another statements, which are a part of the fruit of the Spirit of God that we are told. This is how we're told to live our lives as Christians. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be at peace with one another. Be patient with one another. Be kind to one another. Show grace to one another. You mean over and over and over again, this is about you and me, me and you. See now, the shift. A spiritually seismic kind of shift. This whole sin thing, why is it a big deal? It's got something to do with me and you, you and me, people. God is fine. He's concerned about us. Here's a way to summarize what we've seen so far. When it comes to sin, the who is more important than the what. The who is always more important than the what. Now, the what is important. 
okay? The what is significant, but the person is always more important. The who that is affected by what you do is greater than and more important than whatever rule you broke, than whatever rule they broke. So you and I, okay, we, sometimes we like to pretend we're the sin police, and we like going around, and we go, oh, you can't do that, you can't say that, oh, okay, you broke a rule, you can't do that, sin, that's sin, that's sin. It's like we're constantly doing like the citizens arresting on each other with sin. You're like, oh, you can't, you can't. And we get focused on the what, the what. Can you believe what they did? Can you believe, oh my gosh, she said, oh my gosh, <gasps> can you believe? You're not gonna believe, we need to pray. Here's a prayer, I have a prayer request, here's a prayer request, this is what they did. And then it's like gossip in the form of a prayer request. You know, not that you guys ever do that, but I've heard it, it can be done. Oh, yeah, we get so focused on the what, the what, the what, the what. We need to be a lot less concerned about the what and more concerned about the who behind the what. And less concerned about what was done and who and the condition of the person that was doing it. Hey, parents, I'm going to give you a little tip. Something I wish I'd learned years and years and years ago now that my nest is empty. That's where the gray comes from. And, and the lack of the rest. Okay, when it comes to your kids, parent them for who they are becoming, not what they are doing. Now, what they do is important. What they do is very important. But who they are becoming, parent for the who, parent for the who, because the who is more important than the what. I can't believe my kids did. I can't believe it. You're not gonna believe it. You're not gonna believe it. And if so far your kids haven't done that, just hang in there. They will. Okay? The teenage years are coming with a vengeance. Anyway, okay, okay, that, I'm off topic. Okay, the, the who is more important than the what? The who is the higher principle. The who is the issue. And Jesus illustrated this time and time again, over and over and over again. Let me give you some quick examples. Um, Jesus was teaching one time and he was telling the story of the lost son in Luke chapter 15. And this is a great story. We did a whole series on this one story a little over a year ago called The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. Uh, you might want to get caught up on that if that sounds interesting to you. This story, the story of a son, a, and, and maybe he was a, an older teenager. Maybe he was early in 20s. We're not quite sure, but we know he was young. And, and he wanted his dad's inheritance early. And his dad, for some reason, acquiesced to his request and gave him the inheritance and the son went and blew it all on wild living. He sinned it up in a life of sin, choices of sin, embarrassed dad, embarrassed mom. He missed Mother's Day. It was, it was just, I mean, everything. I mean, he did embarrass the whole, the whole family. I mean, everybody in the town knew what this guy had been guilty of and he lost it all. This is a significant story because in this story, the lost son represents people like you and me. And the father in the story represents God. And notice at the climactic moment when the son had lost everything and he decided to come home, how the father who represents God, and Jesus is telling this story to help people understand. There's a shift now. There's a shift. This is no longer about just the what. The who is more important than the what. Watch how the father responded to the son that was coming home. But while he was a still long way off, his father saw him, the son, who was coming home, maybe down the road, down the street, and he was filled with compassion. Not anger, not rage, not disappointment, not how could you. And he ran to his son. He, he didn't run away from his son. 
and shut the door. He ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. No guilt trip. No, I, oh, wait, 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 let me, let me see. Let me see how sorry you are. Let me see. Let me see. You're going you're gonna to you have to prove yourself, boy. You're going to give me a good reason to let you back in. Your mom's been torn up. You have, you have messed up this. You have just embarrassed us all. No, 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 no. It wasn't nev- he was not focused on the what his son did, even though his son had done plenty. What was his focus? This is the who. The who. The who. I'll give you another example. Jesus was brought into a situation, a very stressful situation one day when the Pharisees and the religious leaders found a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And by very act, I mean very act, in the moment. Awkward, right? Brings this woman to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, the law says, the what says we should stone her. What do you say? Interesting interaction that Jesus had here. And they all had, you know, stones in their hand. They're ready. They're ready. And they're trying to trip Jesus up. And they're trying to, there's all kinds of things going on behind the scenes in the backstory of this. But focal point, here's this woman that had done a lot of sinning and was caught in the very act of this embarrassing, awkward, capital S kind of sin. We would all agree. Wow, Jesus, what are you going to do? Well, if you read the story, Jesus just said, um, First of all, anybody here without sin, feel free to cast the first stone. Feel free to just let her have it. Matter of fact, here you go. Whoever does not have sin, you can throw your rock first. Ultimately, they all left because all of them knew, oh man, Jesus called our bluff. What are we going to do? Interesting side note in this story, the only one in the story who had no sin, Jesus also had no stone in his hand. Just chew on that one. The, the only one that was without sin that could have thrown a stone had no stone in his hand. And this is what Jesus said to that woman. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And watch this. Jesus said, the neither do I condemn you. Now I want you to go And I want you to leave this life of sin. I want you to go make better choices that are better for you, that are healthy for you because you're hurting yourself and this is not the best for you. And and Jesus is concerned. Look, Jesus' concern was not the what she had done, but her, what was going on in her life, her heart, her condition. Yet again, Jesus is illustrating that the who is more important than the what. One more quick example. This one has to do with, um, this was after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and this had to do with Paul and Peter, two of Jesus' you know, top guys, got into this discussion and argument over a rule, okay? That's the old covenant, the old way rule, and this was a big rule. The rule said, you should not eat meat that had been offered in sacrifice to an idol, Right? So if, if a sacrifice was offered to a false god, you should not eat that meat because that is disrespectful and in some way you know, you're acquiescing to the, the, the worship of a false idol and all that. And I mean, that, that was significant. And there was a lot of hubbub, a lot of back and forth. I mean, the election cycle and all of the debates, the town hall debates back then, this was part of the, you know, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And 
So Paul and Peter going back and forth on this thing. And Peter, you know, he's a stickler. You know, get this right, get this right, get this right. Peter was, uh, he got all focused on the what, the what, the what, the what, the what. Here's what Paul said to Peter. But food does not bring us near to God. Now, Paul's right there. Paul never, obviously, has had my mom's gravy. Because that will bring you closer to the heart of God. I'm just saying. Amen. But you get the point. What he's saying, he said, it's not about the food. Peter, you're missing the point here. This is not about the food. This is not about the meat that's offered to idols. I know what the rule says, but it's not about that. We are no worse if we do not eat it. We're no better if we do. Then what is the point? Paul, he tells us, be careful, however, that the exercising of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. That the exercising of your rights does not hinder offend, become a stumbling block to the person who has fixed that meal for you, whether or not it was offered in a sacrifice, as a sacrifice to a false god. That is not the point. The person is the point. Do not exercise your rights in such a way. Oh, maybe we should just dog ear this one and come back to it next year during the election cycle. How about that? Let's do that. would be fun. Wouldn't that be fun if we talk about how, according to what Jesus and his followers and the apostles taught us, is that we should never exercise our rights in such a way that hurts someone else. But my rights, I've got a right. I've got a right. Yes, you are correct on the what. But the who is more important than the what. And so never, it's never okay to exercise your rights in a way that is harmful to someone else. I'll just let you simmer with that one. That, that will mess with you. Because, because yet again, the who is more important than the what. So, so let's answer the question. Why is sin a big deal? I think we got it now. Here's why. Because sin hurts others. And you. Well, what about God? What about God's holiness? What about God's justice? What about God's, God's fine? Look at the cross. Jesus perfectly satisfied all the requirements of the law. And now he turns to you and me. He says there's a new covenant. <laughs> there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new way. And it's about making sure that you love each other the way I have loved you. And now God's anger and God's wrath comes into play when we ignore this and God gets angry that You see, you see, sin hurts others, sin hurts you, and God loves others, and God loves you. And it's not about trying to keep God happy. And let me say it another way. Maybe this will help some of you that may, like you're really struggling with this. God hates sin because God loves people, and sin hurts people. It pulls them away from God's best. God hates sin because God loves people, and sin hurts others. And you and me, in ways that we may not even understand. So when it comes to the question, the question, we, we kind of highlighted this a little bit last week. Let me come back to it. The question, the question that is the question when it comes to sin. This is the question that people ask all the time. In fact, it's the most common question that people ask me in regards to sin. And it's this. 
is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is that a sin? Is that a sin? I hope that's not a sin. I think that's in the Bible. That's not even the best question to ask. According to what we've just seen in the journey of the progression of the scriptures and what Jesus and the apostles taught us, the better question is, does this somehow hurt others or me? And warning, you're often not the best judge in and of yourself to answer this question. You're often not in the best place because we diminish our sins, we deceive ourselves. We're often not in the best place to answer this question in isolation. But we've got to answer this question. Does this somehow hurt others or myself? Relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? Well, I ain't hurting them. I ain't hurting them. I ain't hurting nobody. In fact, I ain't hurting anybody but myself. In fact, I'm not even hurting myself. I'm just doing something a little bit different, and it's fine. Everybody's getting all upset. I ain't hurting nobody. Well, you may not be the best person. To make that conclusion accurately. I mean, come on, that's why ultimately God gives us parents. When we're two years old, we're not, we don't know how to answer this question. Does this hurt others or myself? I don't know. I just want a cookie. I don't know. I just want what I want. Mine. Now. Here. You know, we, and so parents help build that framework for us. And as we get older and become adults, bigger kids, that's why God gives us wise counsel to help us see what often we can't see because we minimize our sin and we, we deceive ourselves to help us understand why this is harmful for others and harmful for ourselves. Keeps us from God's best. That's why God has given you brothers and sisters in the family of faith to help you. This is why God has given you people like me, and I say this carefully, pastors, leaders, to help us kind of clarify. This ultimately is why God has given us the Bible, the scriptures, to guide us in the way of Jesus, the new covenant, to see the transition and the progression and what Jesus came to do and to help us understand how to choose Jesus' way of grace and truth, and truth and grace together. Ultimately, it's about God's best for me and you. That's why sin is such a big deal, okay? Well, God's mad, and you, you broke the heart of God. God is fine. He's not temperamental. God's not in a bad mood. I'm sorry if you have that view of God, if somebody pointed that view of God. If you really want to know what God is like, well, I'll tell you this again. If you really want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God says, listen to Jesus. Time and time and time again. Jesus is the express form of the invisible God. And Jesus himself took care of the problem of sin and now turns to you and I and says, listen, I took care of the sin problem. Now I want you to live in the reality of what I have done for you. And now this is about how you treat each other. This is how it gets lived out. So at the end of the day, here we go. Here's, here's where the rubber meets the road for me and you. At the end of the day, or maybe at the beginning of the day, or at some time in your day, when you have those moments, and I hope you have moments where you reflect on how's my life going, how did my day go. If you don't have those moments, you need to carve out those moments. And I know life is busy, I get it, but you owe it to yourself and others to find those small moments of reflection 
it's not really about this question. What did I do wrong today? How did I screw up? What sin did I commit? The better question is, who did I hurt? Who have I hindered? How did I pull others, or maybe even myself, away from God's best? From, from, away from the way of Jesus? How, how did I miss the mark of loving others the way Jesus has loved me today? That's the issue. The who is more important than the what. It could not be more clear. And here's the deal. This is almost so simple. We go, it's got to be more complicated than that. It's got to be. It's not. And just because it's real simple doesn't make it easy. This is one of the most difficult things you and I will ever deal with. But we must prioritize the who and understand that sin is a big deal because it pulls others and ourselves away from God's best. It hurts them. It hurts us. So may your prayer, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, may God show me, show me, help me see, help me not deceive myself, help me to see how I have missed the mark in hurting others and even myself. And then next week, what we'll do in that vein is we will talk about now what to do with this big deal. Once you've discovered this, what do you do with it? And we will talk about what confession to God looks like and even confession that involves each other. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this. Seismically, powerfully, spiritual shift from the old covenant to the new. You stand at the watershed of this whole thing. That you, you took care of the problem of sin and now you have turned to us. Having fully satisfied all the requirements that sin has placed on humanity in yourself. Now you look to us and say, now, trust me, follow me and love each other the way I've loved you. Lord, help us to follow your example and prioritize the who over the what. Lord, may we be mindful of how we hurt others and hurt ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's what you made this about. Help me. Help us. With this big deal of sin. Because we want to experience your best. And we want to be a part of your best in others. In Jesus' name, amen.